It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good evening. Welcome to Sugar and Silk, a unique boxing podcast brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silk Olajide. And we are delighted to be joined this evening, stroke afternoon, by the inimitable former WBC Light Heavyweight Champion of the World, Montel Ice Griffin. How's it going? What's going on, Chad? How you doing, man? How you doing, man? What's happening, baby? Hey, doing good, baby. It's great talking to you. I'm I'm an admirer of your skills and your abilities. I want to kick this off. How did you get your start in boxing? Man, uh... Uh, two, three years old, I just remember going to a boxing gym every day. Um, really? The whole story was uh, my father took my brother, uh, Tim at the time, uh, to the gym so he could uh, learn self-defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Kulon, who was a, the bantamweight champ uh, from Canada, was living in Chicago. We had a gym called Johnny Kulon's, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, he taught my father the ropes, and uh, he was getting old. He probably like 87 years old. He wow. ended up selling the gym. My father bought it and changed it to Windy City Boxing Club. Okay. Wow. And and when was your first amateur fight? Uh, back in them days, you had to be ten years old. Yeah. But uh, my father lied on my age. I fought at nine at the okay. Ohio State Fair. And that you was- were training in the gym before then, though. I mean, yeah, I've been in the gym. You know, I've been in the gym my whole life, just you know, playing around, hitting yeah, the bags. Yeah. But, yeah. That's incredible, man. That's incredible. Because I've always thought, like, the greatest fighters are the fighters that start before you get to double digits. You know what I mean? Like, guys are like, you know, they're seven, eight years old. Because one of the things about boxing is what stops you from learning is the pain. When you get hit, it's painful. So the later you start, the harder it is to, you know, master the skills that you need, like blocking and defense, slipping punches and countering. But when you start at an early age, like you may get your feelings hurt, but you're not physically going to get hurt, and that's different, right? Uh, I physically got hurt. Uh, like my my father put me in there. Like he he used to throw everybody. Like uh, he threw my cousin in the ring with my cousin, like five years older than me. Yeah. So back in them days, if you nine, yeah, and a kid is thirteen, he's, he's t- you know what I'm saying? Hitting you like a man. Right, he's fourteen years old. So yeah, he's like a man. So uh. So I, I felt some pain, but I mean, it didn't throw me off or nothing. But 
yeah. just know he was bigger than me. I, I didn't care. I just, you yeah. know, I always, to this day, I always tell him I should whoop his ass. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I should get payback. But uh, you know, the whole thing was, I was in the gym as a little baby, but uh, my father used to have um, nine millimeter uh, projector movies. Mm-hmm. I watched all the old fights. I watched uh, Joe Lewis was his favorite. Uh-huh. I watched uh, Sugar Ray Robinson. I watched Willie Pep. I watched uh, uh, Jersey Joe Walcott. All the great fighters. But um, all the guys that was kind of slick, like 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 Jersey Joe Walcott, like stood out to me more probably than any fighter. Yeah, yeah. I, I like guys who were slick who didn't get hit, and um, and then one day he showed me uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And from that day on, my mind was made up. Uh, he came home one day. He said, uh, "Remember that guy you liked you saw on, on video?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "We're going to see him." So I, I didn't believe him. You know, I'm five yeah. years old, but you know, I didn't know what to think. So I get in the car. We drive down to 47th um, in uh, Chicago High Park. Uh, Ali had a garage where he kept all his cars at. He yeah. had a boxing ring, and um, I walked in the door, and soon I saw him. I said, there he is. There he is. I saw him, and I noticed <laughs> there was a long line of people. Yeah. So he was passing out money to everybody, one by one, passing out money. And uh, when he got done, he said, come here. And uh, he put me in his lap, and he kissed me, and we took a picture. And I, that's the picture I got oh, when I was five amazing. years old with my father. So that, that, was, that was the day I knew I wanted to be champion of the world. Wow. That's incredible. Dan? I was going to say, Monto, I believe when your father passed, when you were 12 years old, I believe you stopped, I know that you stopped boxing for a long period of time, but I heard on the HBO telecast today, when I was watching your first fight with James Tony, they said your mother and her faith as a Jehovah's Witness, it was her decision, she forbade, for, basically forbade you from continuing to box until you reached adulthood. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, look, man, I, I don't hold no grudges against nobody. Uh, it is what it is. Um it bothers me to this day, but uh, you know, she 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 was my mother. She felt she was making the right decision, but uh, I felt if I was fighting with my father alive, uh, what what difference would it make if he passed away? But you know, who am I to say? Uh, I'm sorry. So, so your father, uh, your father began your boxing career, but wasn't with you. When did he pass away? At what my stage? Father passed you... away when I was 12 years old. Oh. Yeah, I just said that right, so. Right. I just... So at 12 years old, my father died. I was going on 13, and uh. My mother made me quit boxing, and um, I didn't do nothing for eight years. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. I didn't go to the gym, and you know what I'm saying. I, I really, I saw a few fights, like so the big, huge fights I saw, but mm-hmm. I, I really, I was just so upset. I, I didn't even tell nobody because I was, I was um, I was embarrassed because I couldn't fight no more. So I got into a couple of fights, and um, you know, I was a small, short kid, so but people just couldn't believe how good I could fight. So yeah, I got to, you know, I got to some fights and everything, and then I told people, but uh. I just, man, I was just uh, sitting in my house, 20 years old, sitting in my house, 210 pounds. Uh, I lost my job. My car broke down. I was fat mm-hmm. as hell. Wasn't nothing going right, and I got a call from my nephew. He said, he said, Uncle, what you doing? I said, man, I ain't doing nothing. He said, man, you need to come to L.A. and start boxing. I said, okay. And I answered him so soon. He was like, man, I'm for real. I said, shit, I'm for real. So I ain't doing nothing. And I end up uh, one of my closest friends to this day. His father was a mechanic. He lived right behind me. I walked up to his father. I said, look, man, I'm trying to do something with my life, man. Could you buy my car? And he said, yeah, he gave me $500, and I bought a plane ticket, and I moved to L.A. And that's, that's, wow. that was the beginning of everything that happened in my life, in my career. That's an incredible story. That's insane. Yeah. Like, to yeah. start that late. I mean, you know, you had a little amateur background and everything, but 
what you did as a like jumping. Like I said, for, for eight years, I didn't go in a boxing gym. I didn't do. Wow. I didn't run. And then I didn't train. I didn't. He do made nothing. the Olympic team. He made the Olympic team with like in a year when he yeah. picked it up again. Wow. 30, 30 amateur fights. Thirty amateur yeah. fights. That's insane. That really I, I won. Is. I won the U.S. championships with twenty-one amateur fights. I was number one in the nation. I beat the world champion with twenty-two amateur fights. Yeah. Uh, and I made the Olympic team with thirty amateur fights. Yeah, wow. And and who, who were some of the competitors in your division at that time? I beat John Ruiz. John Ruiz was number one in the nation. I beat him in the quarterfinals to make the uh, – I mean the semifinals to make the uh, Olympic trials. Uh, Jeremy Williams uh, was a, a real great fighter. Uh, Terry McGroom, uh, yeah. good, good fighters and everything. So I, I, I came in, I just dominated the amateur boxing. And, and so what was it about your style that – that made you what? What was it that made you feel comfortable? That allowed you to get man, in there? I, man, I just I was learning on the job. I was just doing what my body told me to do. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember learning how to box. So yeah. everything I did, I was I was I was a uh, I was I had the I had a front row seat. Everything <laughs> I did that was crazy. I'm like I don't know how I did that, but I'm glad it worked. You know what I'm saying? Well, you're pretty much a reflex fighter, though, right? Like you're. I mean, yeah. Like I said, I don't remember learning how to box, but I mean, I watched Muhammad Ali. I tried. I thought I was Muhammad Ali. Everything yeah. I did in the ring, I thought Muhammad Ali did. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I, I used to tell my father I was gonna be heavyweight champ of the world. Yeah. And he, and he never explained it to me. He yeah. just said, he said, he said, you're not gonna be heavyweight champ. He said you could be champ, but you ain't gonna be heavyweight champ. But he never explained to me that I was a midget. Uh. So you know what I'm saying? I, I didn't understand what he meant by that. But when I grew up, I'm like, shit, I'm short as hell. I said that's what he meant. So yeah. I just, yeah, I was just, man, I was just. I don't know. I don't know how I fought the way I did. I don't know what. I just it just worked for me. Can we talk about your Olympic uh, campaign a little bit, Montel? Because I believe one of the the themes that runs through your career is the sense that you you got various injustices against you, man, and you my whole career. You talk to me about the Olympics and that campaign. What man, the the Olympics? To this to this, I'm 53 years old. Make an Olympic team in a year and a half. Was the greatest experience ever, uh, the greatest um experience and the greatest accomplishment in my boxing career. Uh, I beat the world champion. Uh, I beat the gold medalist. I beat the silver medalist a month before the Olympics. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying. I beat the gold medalist and silver medalist, but I don't have a medal, and, and that kills me. Um, I fought towards somebody who was six foot five. I out jabbed him. I hit him with a jab over the top of his eye, and it busted open and um ble- they. Uh, the Germans had pulled the, the fight off, off. You can't find it nowhere because I, I was cheated. I was blatantly cheated. I hit him on the eye, busted open. He was bleeding like a pig, and they didn't stop the fight. What amateur fight do you know that they allow a fight to happen? I mean, a cut to happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they stop it if it's cut. So, it's I mean, just... you know, my my lawyer was t- my lawyer was calling me every day. He said, "Man, Hollywood is calling every day. They want to make a movie about your life. Just keep winning, keep winning." Mm-hmm. And the, 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 when I lost the torso, my the phone call stopped. Wow. Uh, well, uh, let me let me ask something. Uh, it's different from what, what the direction Ben is going for a second. I want to pull it back. When you box, do you look at an opponent's eyes, his face, or his hands? Like I look at the shoulders. Um, the shoulders let me know everything. What yeah. time punch you gonna throw? Everything. Yeah. 
I look at the shoulders, the body movement. Um, cause you know I'm a I'm I'm only five. I'm five seven. My my reach only sixty nine inches. So yeah. everything I did was off reflexes and and time and encountering. Yeah. So I had to get in and out, and yeah. you know I just tried to. So like the beginning beginning uh of a fight, I would uh I would just catch the jab. Yeah. I would see how far it would come. I would see uh -huh. how far I had to pull away. And then once I got that time, I would I would I would pull back with a jab would stop right here, and I just hit the guy. Yeah, so that, it was just my timing. So, yeah. I, I mean, yes. uh, guys, guys who didn't commit, I had problems with. That's why I had problems yeah. with uh, uh, Antonio Tarver because oh, yeah. Tarver kind of scary and he fight yeah. pull, you know, he fight pull back and he don't, he yeah, won't commit. Yeah. So, guys like that always gave me problems because I was too yeah. short. Yeah, they are very hard to fight because you yeah. never know when they're going to go. And and yeah, and once they fight, like they're they're. They have that hyper reflex because they fight like with a little bit of fear. They don't settle. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, you don't yeah. settle. Him, 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 him and Roy had got him and Roy got kind of like a little a little herky jerky yeah. where they. Yeah. And when I say scared, I don't mean it like in a scare in a bad yeah, way. I mean scared, it yeah. just scared. Where yeah, yeah. They, 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 they had this they, really they got to come back and they got to come back and um and throw a shot. Yeah, their reflex is very very fast. Like yeah. I, I liken it to like the deer. And the deer's drinking. Yeah, right, right. You know what I mean? He's right, drinking right, out the river, but he's right. always looking for the bear. You'll take a sip, and be, right. he'll always be on the lookout. Right, right. Roy yeah, and Tava is yes. very uh, close like that. Yeah, high strong, like very tightly strong. And then and, and they have that reflex, that, you know. Yeah. And then when they hit you, when they're tight like that, it hurts even more because they're so right. tight. And right. They lock yeah. that shot on you. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> So a fighter who was supposed to be uh, or was mostly absurdly relaxed in a ring was James Tony. He's a he's a bonafide all time great. You beat him twice in 1986. I wow. watched your first fight with him today, but just to get in the mood for this podcast. And um, I've got to say, Montel, for a guy who only had 14 pro fights and had had the, the relatively scant amateur background that you had, it is an amazing performance. And to a great extent, you kind of um, you kind of beat James Tony at his own game in a lot of ways. Well, well, uh, well, you know, I, I'm a defensive wizard, man. I'm just, I was just, I'm a little bit faster than him. I'm faster than him. I'm a defensive wizard, and um, I, I'm just a, 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 I'm a student of the game. Um, uh, we sparred in '92. Yeah, I was still an amateur. Uh, when yeah. I got home from Barcelona, Jackie Cal, Jackie Callen called me and said, "James, want to manage you? We're gonna fly you up and um, you know, see how you look." I'm like, "All right." So I came to the gym. Uh. I came to the gym. I sparred. Uh, I'm gonna say Booker T. Word. Yeah, I sparred Booker T. Word, who, who was hot. he was real hot. He had just knocked out Anthony Hembrick. I sparred him at Galaxy Boxing Club, and I and I, came, and I played with him. Mm -hmm. I played with him, and um, pops were like uh, Bill Miller was like, okay, well, you did good. Uh, we're gonna spar Dennis Andres next. Dennis Andres was a former like heavyweight champion of the world. Big uh, time. Right. I, I played with him. Yeah, and um, I played. I, I dominated the gym. I played with him, and uh, pops was like, okay. He said, "Ice man, I mean," he said, "Champ, you you really looking, looking good." He said, "We we sparring James tomorrow," and, and 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 you know, not not in a way where like me being an asshole, but I'm an asshole. So the way he said it, I took it as disrespect, like 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 I was supposed to be scared or like I cared or something. So yeah. I just I brought my I brought my A game, and uh, I, I'm not I'm not gonna say. That I whooped James Tony ass and nothing like that, but he didn't do nothing to me. Yeah, nothing. Wow. He did nothing to me. That's so. When you got the call, I was an amateur. When yeah. you got the call in 1996, you were like, "Let's go." Pardon me. 
when you got the call to fight him in 1996. Yeah, they called me in 95, which was, which was three years later. I knew I had got better. Uh, you know what I'm saying? They say, I think uh, uh, the big uh, light headweight from uh, Leonzo Barber, I think, turned the fight down. And uh, HBO called. They said, uh, my manager's like, man, HBO wants you to fight James Tony. Said, uh, no, he, he said, he said, the first thing I'm going to ask you is, do you think you can beat James Tony? I said, hell yeah, I could beat James Tony. I said, without a doubt. I'm, I'm not even worried about that. He said, well, uh, got pulled out. He said, they offered 60000 I said, Tim, give me $100. i will fight him. Uh, he hung up. He called me back in 10 minutes and said, okay. I said, shit, I should have told him more. <laughs> said, they agreed so fast. I'm like, shit, I should have yeah. said more. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's like uh, going to that fight was, I just really just had to, like 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 my close friends, like my my friends' friends was coming to me like, man, you think you really think you could beat him? I said, bro, just sit back and watch. I said, I ain't going to say nothing. Just mm -hmm. watch. Yeah. I got in tip-top shape. I remember I went to camp with Rigo Bowl. We trained in uh, Palm Springs for the fight. I had some great spawn partners. Uh, I was in tip-top shape. And uh, I had a, I had a, a conversation with Phil Torrance. I'm like, man, I'm like, man, uh, I'm in camp. It's the middle of camp. I said, bro, I said, uh, I'm fighting James Tony, but uh, I ain't nervous or, ex or I, don't even, I ain't even excited or nothing. He said, mm -hmm. man, stay like that. Yeah. And, and he first was like, man, you so calm under pressure, man. You like ice. And that's when the ice, uh, you know what I'm saying? That's when oh, ice right. really, I, yeah. you know, I was ice my whole career, but that's when the ice really, you know, uh, came to hand. And he was like, man, you like ice. And I just, I just wasn't upset. I wasn't nervous. I wasn't scared. I, I'm like, it's James Tony. I mean, it's uh, just some, just somebody I got, you know, and uh, he put his pants on, put his pants on the same way I do. Mm -hmm. And he needs, Win because he just lost to Roy. That was he just lost to Roy Jones. Three months early, he was number one. He was the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Yes. I fought him with 14 pro fights. He had just lost. So you know he's going to come back and try to win. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I shut that down. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Like James Tony. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline at that time that you fought him was one of the greatest fighters in the world. Talented. He was, he was number one pound for pound three months before I fought him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you, and as you said, he's looking to get that back when, we, when you, when he's coming back, he's not looking to, you know what I mean? He's looking to get that back. So course, it's not like he was course. looking past you or anything. He was, he was prepared. He was 100% in. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little young punk in the game. You know what I'm saying? Standing in his way. He's supposed to came in, blew me out. And, and you know, got a rematch with Roy or whatever. But uh, in the third round, in the third round, he buzzed you with this short right hand counter, and you staggered. But then right. you did something very cute just at that moment. Tell me about it. Well, the whole thing was what happened. I mean, Eddie first told me, he said, "Man, do not throw a right hand, but I'll come back with a left hook because he's a great counter puncher." Mm -hmm. The first three rounds were so easy that I got big headed. I said, man, I'm like, he ain't shit. And I got big headed through the right hand. He caught me and it, and it woke me up and I got back to business after that. You made him miss. It was kind of cool because you staggered. You held your feet. Yeah. Yeah. He came in like almost for the kill with a chopping left hook. Well, well I, walk, of... I, walk, 
I took a long walk around the ring just to catch my breath, get my hair right. And I saw him at the come my the corner of my eye, I saw him coming with a big bomb. So yeah. I act like I ain't seen him. So when he threw it, I just ducked and he fell. Yeah. And that's pretty much it, like the little 10 seconds that I needed to clear my head. But uh, yeah. a friend of mine, he actually, uh, a friend of mine told me, he said, man, if James Tony would have hit you, he'd have killed you. <laughs> yeah, I said, but I, I saw him. I was like, I know y'all was nervous. I said, but I saw him. I won't worry about it. So let me ask you, do styles make fights? And what is it about you that made it so hard for James? What is it that you did that made it so hard well, for James? Well, uh, James Tony, like we said, one of the greatest fighters in history. Mm-hmm. But one thing about James Tony, he can't move on his feet. Okay. He, he he if you stand in front of him, he'll pick you apart. Yeah. Like he did, like he did Iran Barkley. Barkley still right in front of him, tried to bang with him. He yeah. picked him apart. Yeah. I just kept stepping around to his right. Uh-huh. I kept stepping around to his right. Well, his left kept stepping around to my right and kept making him pick up his feet. As long as he picked up his feet, he can't throw punches. Yeah. So a couple of times where I where I took a break and I, and I think I was it was my second 12 rounder in my career ever. Yeah. I went sec I went 12 rounds two times. That was the second time. So a couple of times, I you know I got a little tired and I had to catch my breath. So I would just uh, stand in front of him and just move and just pick off shots and just uh, not get hit with nothing clean. Mm-hmm. You always appeared to be threatening in that fight too. Like you're always ready to punch at any point in time. Right. Well, I'm, you know I'm a counter puncher, so you know if I yeah. see a shot, if I see uh, an opening, I'm, I, you know I'm, I'm I got to take it. You always got to be ready. Yeah. But you know, and but you have to remember too, James is a. Uh, a great defensive fighter. So I had to pick my spots to make sure because because you know one thing about me, my whole career, I ain't really waste punches. Yes. Uh, when I threw my shot, I ain't throw a lot of shots, but when I threw shots, I, I mostly kind of connected yeah. because you know what I'm saying I threw shots where I know that they can land. Yeah. And then for off the back of that win it it, it, it put you into the title shot against Roy Jones. Well no and, not uh, really see I fought James in ninety five the first yeah. time. I, I checked so, today. Are you sure it was ninety six? Nah, nah. That's what I'm saying. I fought James the first time in ninety five. So yeah, uh, true. Whole, that was, sorry, that was on the right. undercard of De La Hoya versus right. Molina, right? So basically, so, basically, almost two years went by. I yeah, fought him sorry. in January ninety five and December ninety six. So basically, that's like two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but two yeah. years, I had ten fights. I didn't get one TV fight. James no. followed TV. James was James. Tony is still a star, but I didn't get a TV fight. I mean, nobody treated me like I won no fight. Like I, it was one of the huge, uh, huge upset. Nobody said nothing about it. So I, yeah, I didn't yeah. get no, like, okay, me, me and Oscar fought on the card that day. Yeah. My career did like that, and his took off. And everybody thought Oscar lost. So it was just crazy. You know what I'm saying? That so, was interesting that, you know, did you watch that fight, Molina versus De La Hoya? I mean, every, every, a lot of people thought Oscar lost. I mean, you know, it, it was a close fight, but, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, like I said, uh, just just show you what the, the disrespect that yeah. I had to deal with my whole career. Do you think people I, didn't understand what was it about your style that people didn't understand that you wish they did? I th- I think people, the stuff that I did, I made it look so easy that people never gave me no credit for it. Mm-hmm. I made it look yeah. so easy, people never gave me credit for it. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, the stuff that I did was just textbook. I didn't yeah. slip all over here. I just yeah. slipped just enough to come right just back. Enough. I stayed yeah. right in the pocket. Yeah. And people just like I, okay, I had I had a thousand people outside the ring say, Man, I can whoop your ass. <laughs> and then when you get in the ring, we was like, Man, I just can't I can't believe how you do this. 
They yeah, say you, yeah. make, you make it look so easy outside the ring. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I, I was just a student of the game, man. It was just, that's it was the thing just with that. And that's the point that I'm always trying to make with the person, at least the average person that watches a boxing match. They don't they don't really understand what it takes, the elements it takes to get in the ring and to get to that level that fighters are at. It, it, boxing appears to be because it's just your hand, something everybody can do, and everyone feels they can do it and be successful at it. But it's, I mean, you're a connoisseur when you're at the level that you're at and you're fighting the people you're fighting and you're doing the things you're doing against them. This, These men have spent... 20 to 25 years with punches coming at them pretty much every day. So, you you know, they understand what, what to do with it and all the rest of that. Average person, they're not going to experience that. Yeah, no. I just, man, I uh, I got, I went to L.A. I got to L.A. in nine, December 90. I was just looking at my book, my USA book the other day. Yeah. My last fight was December. My last fight was in 83. Mm-hmm. I, got to, I got to L.A. in December and I fought at the end of January, after not fighting for eight years, and I made it to the championship of the the, the novice two hundred one the heavyweight championship, and um, you know what I'm saying. And I did that. I was sparring Reggie Johnson. Yeah, who wow. was the number one middleweight. I was sparring Reggie Johnson and Larry Musgrove, who was ranked uh, high in the world. Yeah, I was sparring them every day. I I ain't had no amateur fights. Wow, yeah. five, six, seven amateur fights. I'm sparring these guys every day, and that's Reggie Johnson. Uh, Reggie Johnson is the reason. That I that I got to where I was at because when I sparred Reggie Johnson, it gave me the confidence to know I could I could do some big things in boxing. When yep. people talk about underrated fighters, Reggie Johnson's got to be one of them, you know. Yeah, yeah, Reg, yeah, Reggie. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Knocked out William Guthrie. Uh, it was a beautiful punch. Um, great fight to beat everybody. Uh, Reggie was my man. He he Reggie was like my big brother. He uh took me under his wing. He took me all over L.A. He let me learn the game and uh. And I got mad respect for that brother. Yeah. So if we go forward to the to the Roy Jones fight, the, the one you won, the first fight, Roy Jones' first professional loss. The trouble is when we talk when you talk about the lack of respect you get, and we'll get onto the Hall of Fame and your and your and your passionate belief that you should be enshrined in the Hall of Fame a little later. But one of the problems with it is because you won by a disqualification. You were giving him all the trouble he could handle up to that moment. And he was getting frustrated, and that's probably why he hit you on the floor. But does it does it bug you that it ended the way it did, given the uh, yeah, lack of respect yeah, you get? Yeah, because because I was beating him, I was beating yeah. him fair and square. Uh, the only the only reason, okay, uh, he was winning on two points on one scorecard, one point on one scorecard, and I was winning one point. They gave him a bogus knockdown. He didn't knock me down. He he led with me, and I slipped and fell. If he don't get credit with that knockdown, I'm winning the fight. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying, but it is what it is. But uh, like, like I told Roy, I said, man, I said your fans love you so much that they hate me because you hit me on my knee. Yeah, 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 and yeah. You couldn't yeah. do nothing but laugh about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, the, the 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 man he didn't knock me down and then hit me. I took a knee. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I took a step back and took a knee, and he loaded up twice. So he was frustrated. Now, right now when you took that knee, when you took that knee, did you take the knee because you were a buzz? Like you felt I he he, he I got he threw a right hand. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, in boxing, you only had a split second decision. Yeah. The split second was either catch it or roll with it. Yeah. And it, it was coming so fast, I tried to roll with the right hand yeah. and up getting hit in the back of the head. Okay. So I just told myself, I tell you, you winning this fight. I said, take a knee, yeah, and we gotta win these last three rounds. And that's what I did. So when I sat down, I took a knee. I wasn't even paying no attention. 
I, yeah. I just feel a guy hit me. Yeah. And I try to look at the referee, then he hit me again. I, yeah. I just thank I just thank God that I didn't get killed or uh, you know hurt that night. Well, it's really wise that a lot of guys get hit and they are really hurt and they get hit and they get hurt worse and then finally get the lights turned out. So for you to be that aware, you got hit with a good shot or you got wherever it hit, maybe hit you by the head or whatever it is, but you had the awareness to take the knee, which is important. See, I mean, how did, I just, it, man, how did like, it feel that night? This knowledge, this, this knowledge that you're showing, like when you're, when you're buzzed, no matter how it happened, you're buzzed, but you have the knowledge and the instinct to take that knee, knowing that that's the right thing to, that's the correct thing to do at that point in time. That's right, well, you know, I know Roy Jones is a great punch and a great finisher, so yeah, yeah, I just, let me uh let me take a knee, get my clear my head out. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. But the whole thing was after the fight, man. I, I, I'm riding the limousine back to the hotel. I'm telling my wife, I'm like, man, I hate to win like this. I said, man, I, I was beating this man fair and square. I ain't, I ain't need to win like this. But what <laughs> what happened was. The WBA convention was going on in Atlantic City, mm -hmm. and I went to the convention the next day. And about twenty champs, like man, you won that fight. Mm -hmm. Like he did, he did that for a reason because he didn't want to fight no more. Don't let yeah. nobody say you ain't win that fight. So have you guys ever? Have you talked with Roy since the fight? Yeah, 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 yeah. We about the we, fight. I, I have never really talked to him about. I don't remember. I don't remember talking to him about about us fighting or nothing like that. Wow. But yeah, we yeah we had conversation, but I, I ain't never brought up. I, never I think brought up I spoke to him about the rematch because after winning in that fashion and you got the rematch. Now this is this is the, if people want to knock your resume, Montel, or if they want to try and put it in perspective when you say I should be up here, what they would say they they probably say the disqualification in the first fight, which wasn't your fault. Then they'll talk about the one round uh, loss, KO loss in the second fight. But right. you said. All kinds of school duggery you said went on. To, yeah, to I'm not. That. You know why I'm not worried about that? I I had 59 pro fights. I know yeah. I got a chin. You know what I'm saying? I ain't never yeah. been knocked. I ain't never been hurt. Well, I couldn't continue. Whatever. I um I didn't warm up five minutes for that fight. I got proof. People was there. Uh, Elvis El Elvis Grant was at the fight. He could let you know. They, they ride. I mean, they they fought. They they rushed me out. Didn't let me warm up, and, and they did it on purpose. And um uh Roy Jones uh. Lawyer, Chris Bird, Chris Bird called me the day after the fight. Said, "Man, John told me what happened. Man, I'm sorry." I said, "I said, what you mean? What, what are you talking about?" He said, "Man, they rushed you out on purpose. Man, they did that on purpose. Man, they did that to because ain't because they ain't want you to be at your hundred percent." So I think 20, 20 years went by. I finally saw John, and I said, "I said, what did you tell Chris Bird?" He said, "We fucked you. He said we did it on purpose. Like we rushed you out on purpose." He said, "Your manager promoter knew about it. That's what broke my heart." John, who? Uh, John Horner. John Horner. John Horner. We we're talking about we're talking about having him on this show, so we could stick that to him. So um, yeah, yeah, he told me. He said he said we did it on purpose. He said we. Did you not through. think of saying? Did somebody in your team not think of saying? Listen, bollocks. We're, we're the A side. We we ain't coming out. I'm the champ. I'm not coming out till I'm ready. See, the, the whole thing was see the first fight. I had a dressing room where it was a door I could close or lock and keep people out. The second fight, it was in the middle of a like a big ass room, and they just yeah. had. Yeah. So everybody coming at Griff, you got five minutes. Griff, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. It was just so much confusion going on and everything. And I talked to Roy about it. He ain't denied. So it is what it is, man. I got to live with that for the rest of my life. But I know I know what happened. Yeah. And that's not enough for you, though. Like, you still feel that ultimately there's – when you fight, there's a 100,000 ways – to lose, but only one way to win. 
you know right. what I mean? Right. So I guess as as fighters, we kind of have to take responsibility for it. Um, do do you think are there any fighters that have lost like good good high quality fighters that have lost that could say they lost only because of their own inability to handle the situation? How often does that happen? Uh, I mean, I, I could say this. I could say this. Um, I had eight losses in my career. They say I lost eight times. I know yeah. I didn't, but they say I lost eight times in my career. I have never been in the ring with nobody who I felt was better than me. Yeah. I've never been in the ring with nobody I said, shit, he's better than me. Yeah. Like, I, I can't beat this guy. Yeah. That never, never, never happened. You've never gone into a fight thinking you were going to lose either. You've never gone no, into No, I'm a- just saying. Even, I'm just saying, during the fight or whatever, I never, even though I got eight losses, I've never yeah. been in the ring with nobody. I said, okay, well, this guy yeah. beat me up or what. That never yeah. happened. Yeah. That's no, and also, you've also sparred with Floyd Mayweather, right? In terms of the skill to skill. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Big Floyd, you know, we was at uh, Richard Steele Gym. Big Floyd was trying to look for work from Floyd. And uh, my brother was like, man, we inspire you. And uh, Big Floyd, he was like, nah. And then he looked, I guess he felt like disrespected because we asked him. He was like, ah, yeah, come on, y'all can spar. And we, we did about four or five rounds. I mean, it was just tit for tat. I mean, he couldn't do nothing to me. He couldn't do nothing to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, he couldn't, he didn't, he, I don't, he didn't, Floyd didn't hit me with a clean punch. Yeah. And, I, and they say he's the pound pound greatest fighter ever. Yeah. But they don't all say that. That some people say that who lack perspective, Montel. We don't all say it, and we don't say. You it know what show. though? I say this: as time been going by, and I'm getting older, uh, it's a couple a couple of interviews I heard him say. He he said some stuff that made sense. He said people want to hold it against me because I don't have brain damage like Muhammad Ali. And I well, and I started thinking. I said, man, that. I, I said I I said you know you gotta. Floyd is a lot greater than than I than I gave him credit for. He had a perfect career and he was amazingly skilled. I asked Roy Jones and, about and, it. And, and wait, wait, wait! But he was the greatest businessman ever. That's, yes. that's where I'm coming. He in. the greatest businessman ever. I agree. He, with he that. never lost a fight. He beat 23 world champs. It, 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 it's it's an argument that he's the greatest fighter in history. The, the 23 world champs. That's all, that's very contextual. You, yeah. It's easy to beat world champs when you're falling over them. When you go to the corner store and you meet three world champs on the way. The more world champs they make, the more world champs there's going to be. You can, but you can't blame Floyd for that. I no, can, but, 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 but I don't have to cite, cite the statistic. Like it, Sugar Ray Robinson beat 17 undisputed world champions. Do you know how many Floyd beat? How many? You guess none. Oh, you said undisputed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what was what? one? It was one or two belts back then. So yeah, there, it's easy to be undisputed. But it was only. There was but, only I mean, one look, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not knocking. Look, I'm not. Look, I. You know, what I'm saying I'm a. Ray Robinson, eighteen losses, man. It's hard to 19. say, guys. Nineteen losses. You know, what I'm saying it's an argument. It's hard to say that he was the greatest fighter ever. I mean, you know, what I'm saying? And, and as time gone by, uh, you got Montel. Michael Silk. Silk can um understand this right here. Training is different. These, all these guys now is in better shape. They got better training. Uh, Better training uh, techniques, better things. So I don't Ray know. Robinson, Ray Robinson would be a, sure I think Ray that. Robinson would be a step behind there, everybody. Now. Listen, I don't think Sink believes that about trainers today. Training, go yeah. on. I, I don't believe trainers are better today than they were yesterday. No, they no, no. Be. I didn't say trainers. I bet I'm saying well, training. The, training. The training. The training with the different things you're doing. Going to Big Bear, uh, uh, training a, a mile up in the air. I don't just know, doing, but, you know. 
But these guys, but these guys in those days, like Rocky Marciano and Archie Moore and all those great fighters, or Sugar Ray Robinson, they would put themselves. I mean, they're the ones who originated training camps, and they would go there and just absolutely focus and lock in on that. Yeah, but 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 it, but it has gotten better. It has gotten uh, better. Think, when you when you see when you see and one thing I hate, well, I mean, even though like I said, they they did it. They try to tell people they did it for the um for the safety of fighters, but they did it because. A twelve-round fight fit in an hour. Yes, in an hour time yeah. slot. That's why they That's, changed. I hundred percent agree with right. you on that. That's why but, they brought it right. to fifteen to twelve. It wasn't because right. of so. Yeah. So so. You got fighters now that's fighting twelve rounds hard. That ain't even tired. That's not even. You know what I'm saying? That's not even breathing hard. Yeah. yeah. You look yeah. at Terrence Crawford. These guys after twelve rounds, mate, they, they fresh. Like you know, they could go three miles. But are you see Ken Buchanan is is my Laguna doing the fifteen rounds like like they're fresh as well. I mean, I mean, so I, I, I spar I spar fifteen rounds rounds twice in my career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once as an amateur and once as a pro. Mm-hmm. I I know I could have did it if I had to do it. We yeah, we all could have did. It's, it's like it's like you course. you think your demands the demands that are made of you the human body will. will and you know something, Michael did do that distance against Frank Tate. Uh, I actually did 15 rounds a couple. Oh, I didn't go, uh, yeah, all the 15, but with Tate, yeah, we went 15. And, so and he's actually done that. And it's absolutely, it's absolutely not an issue at all. I mean, <laughs> I, I, spar, I spar Frank Tate in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Oh, for real? oh it's I, crazy. And, I, and, just put it, I just put it to like, I ain't going to say what happened, but he wouldn't spar me no more. I just say that. <laughs> That's my well, man. Yeah. I love him. We sparred. He, yeah. he, he went up to him and uh, Eddie, Eddie Mustafa. Came with Eddie Futch and said, Mr. Futch, we need to spar Montel for this fight. Yeah. As the sparring was over, he said, Mr. Futch, we're not sparring no more. Who is he that's fighting? That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. Who was he fighting? Oh, I couldn't even remember. Uh, this, man, this is in Vegas. I forgot who he was fighting. Oh, I this is in, Frank Tate. Oh, this is in the man. 90s? Yeah. Yeah, so, in the 90s when I first got to Vegas. Oh, so when did you turn pro again? Sorry. I turned pro in 93. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. After the um, how do you feel about the post Roy Jones phase of your career, Montel? Because your your kind of claim for the Hall of Fame is based on those beating well, uh, Roy and James back to back and beating James. I mean, well, you know, when both what about when, both, when they both went in last year, I'm like, man, I mean, it ain't not enough to talk about. I mean, saying uh, when both of them went, I mean, look, I, I was at the fight when uh when Roy fought uh John Ruiz when he won the heavyweight title. I was mm-hmm. at the fight, the third fight. No, the yeah. second. I was at the second fight when Tava knocked him out. Um, yeah. and, and the crazy part about it, after the first fight, he Roy said, "Man, I just had problems making weight." So the second fight, I saw him at the weigh-in. He said, "Look, I ain't got no excuses now. I'm good." So when Tava caught him, and I, I mean, it was just a, it was just a crazy punch. Tava is a softball, and he threw a left hook. Yeah, that's yeah. very, that's very. Nobody throws left hook as a yeah. softball. As a softball, and he just he caught Roy with a punch. He ain't see, and um, yeah, it changed his whole career. But uh, I, yeah, I, I I I went to uh, I saw I talked to Roy the day before the fight. He said, "Man, I'm not gonna stay at heavyweight. I'm gonna come down and fight you. I promise, I'm gonna fight you." I said, "Bro," and I was like, "Okay." But once he won and how good he looked, I went to his after party. I said, "Bro," I said, "Man, you're on top of the world." I said, "I'll never fight you again." I said, "Congratulations," and I was I hugged him and that was it. And when he went back down to seventy five, I, I thought that was a mistake. Uh, cause I remember Mark Ratner came out right before the fight. He said, man, he said, man, Roy's 199 pounds right now. They just couldn't believe that he, he put, uh, like those 24 pounds of muscle on without no yeah. fat. 
So yeah. you know what I'm he, he just, uh, I think he shocked his body. He came back down to 75, and he just was never the same no more after that. I, I, I know he probably regretted. He probably should have fought Holyfield, uh, a big money fight. And if he lost, he said he was too small. But uh, when yeah. he went back down to light, he changed. They were even talking about Tyson at one point after he beat John Ruiz in 2003. Right. They were talking about Mike Tyson versus Roy. Yeah, yeah. him him going back down like heavyweight that 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 really hurt him. Do you, you think really he, believe, you really believe that hurt? Yeah, you got think, Roy, Roy was 35. Roy was 35, 36 years old. Yeah, so he went up to 199 and come back down to 75. He just killed himself. But it, it was done systematically, though, right? Like, why wouldn't why wouldn't uh, deflating? I guess why 35, would 35, 36 up? years old, 35, 36 years old. Yeah. Put your body, you know, what I'm saying you gain all that weight, lifting weights and whatever else he did to, to, to 199, and then try to kill himself to get back down to 75, and it just he wasn't the same no more after that. No, you know what he told me, guys, it, it, when I interviewed him about nine years ago. Um, he said. The reason he did it was because he thought Bob Fitzsimmons won the middleweight, light heavyweight, then the heavyweight titles, then dropped back down to light heavyweight and won it again. He was actually wrong about that. Fitzsimmons won the middleweight, then the heavyweight, then went back down for the light heavyweight. He said if he'd known that, he wouldn't have done it. I don't know if I believe him, but he says it, he thought he was replicating a feat that didn't exist. And if he'd, if he'd have understood it, he might not have gone back down. I mean, I mean, like, man, I, I'm not taking no, no nothing from nobody else, man. Uh... Roy Jones and, and Muhammad Ali are the two most uh, God-gifted fighters ever, ever that we've ever seen in our lives. Um, Roy just hung on a little bit too long. He went up to, to 199, killed himself, get back down to 75. It was a huge mistake, and uh, and he paid for it. But uh, it don't take nothing away from the tough the fighter years. Sometimes I agree with you right there, and sometimes people put on like when they're challenging, like Roy did. He had super middleweight title. Went up to 175, fought for the light heavyweight title, then moved up and fought for the heavyweight title. I don't understand why they put on such extreme amounts of weight. Is it only because the organization won't recognize you unless you are a certain weight? Like you can't wait coming into no. a you can't come into the fight at 168 and fight for the 175 pound title. You can't be yeah, yeah. 69. If you want 69, you can. Yeah. You have to be outside your weight division. You have to be outside your. So if you're super middleweight at 168 and you want to fight for 175 pound title, you have to be over 168 pounds in order to yeah. fight yeah. for the light heavyweight. Or, yeah. or like so. So if I wanted to fight, if you wanted to fight for the for the heavyweight title of the world, you'd have to be over 200 and what two pounds? No, you don't, Silk. You don't have to be because historically that was never the case. Bob Fitzsimmons okay. came in. About okay. 187 to fight Joe Frazier, right? So that's, so that's what I'm saying. Um, we lost. There right? is no rule. It's there is no rule like that. I'm pretty okay, sure. Okay, so then, so then, why are people choosing to fight to put on that kind of weight in order to fight for the title? Why? Because What's they that? think they have to. If you look at Michael Spinks when he when he went out and beat Larry yeah. Holmes, yeah. he, 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 he engaged Mackie Charlestone, who also yeah. worked with Roy for the Ruiz fight. And he thought he didn't want to make the mistake he thought Bob Foster had made by coming in too light and too skinny. But well, but I don't understand what what's the upside of that. What is the upside of coming in? Feeling <laughs> that you've got enough physical presence in there, and the feel that you'll be strong enough, and you won't get pushed around too much. Uh, do do you um, do you agree with that, Montel? I'm sorry. I, 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 it, it do you was, feel that 
the guy, like like we say, when Michael Spinks came out to, to fight Larry Holmes, he put on 25 pounds of muscle. He worked with the same guy that worked with Roy to get Roy up to 199. Michael's questioning whether they even need to do that, and whether they couldn't come in lighter. I said it's because they, they feel they need the size to compete physically with these guys. What's your yeah, opinion yeah, of that? Yeah, well, yeah, well, John, yeah, John Ruiz probably like 120, 120, 124 pounds. So, yeah, he had to put some, he had to put some weight on to take some shots. But Roy is, but Roy, but Roy is a um, reflex fighter, right? Much like how you were. How does that? How does added weight benefit you? How does added weight benefit you? Uh, well, like I, well, like I said, uh, to fight, he had because uh, Mark Radner. That's why. That's why they had to. Ha he had to have a weigh in before the fight. He had to be one ninety nine. He had to show them that he was heavy enough to make the fight go on. He had to. He had to gain the weight. But, but when you say he had to make the weight, it's not – he could come in at 147 pounds, but he's fighting – he's that doesn't – sorry, is that, is that your phone? Someone's going to get that? No? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm okay. sorry. So, yeah. So so what – what um there's no prerequisite set. Like, you don't have to weigh 200 – over 200 pounds in order to fight for the heavyweight title. Or but look – look what happened to Bob Foster when he came in, like, almost like – not much more than, like, everyone against but the is because, But is that because he was 175 – oh, is that because he was skinny or is it because he got hit? Like – I don't – well, both, but I don't suppose it helped that he hadn't – Yeah, I think, but Roy, Roy – they had – Roy, Roy had to be a certain – Roy had to be a certain weight. Mark Ratner came out and said Roy had to be a certain weight yeah. before that fight. But how can but how can being heavier help you take a punch better? It doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't help you absorb yeah. a punch. Because, for instance, when you get hit in the head, your brain is like you get concussed. That's a different thing altogether. So maybe the, if the other guy weighed less, that would, that would take away uh, – that would help your ability to take a punch more – but I don't understand how. No, nah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a rule that it was a rule that he had to be at a certain while, a certain weight. I mean, I think Silk is trying to get into a conversation a little bit wider here, where he's saying, "Do you really have to be as heavy as a guy, or as big as a guy, or bigger to compete with him, or could you just be your natural self with your skills and your reflexes?" It it, it, it just depends. It depends who the fighter is. Uh, exactly, it's about skills, skills right? right? Then it becomes okay. about skills because because listen, Montel. You know, as as a as as a middleweight or as a super middleweight, you boxed heavyweights. I did too. I right. was when I was a lightweight and I boxed heavyweights. It's just something you do. It's natural. Right. You do this in the gym, it's sparring, but they're still really throwing bombs at you, and it's right. all about not getting hit. It's about but defense. So, but they don't throw bombs at you like they would another heavyweight. Most of them do they? The protocol. Oh hell yes! No no no, 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 no. Yeah, no, I can't. Yeah, I seen Rockman threw bombs at me. Yeah, yeah, no, it's real. I hear real. that, but I, I sparred with a bunch of guys myself as well, and some professionals. Yeah, I sparred with Wayne Braithwaite, who was a, it was a WBC cruiserweight champion. And the protocol that I'm aware of from my days in the gym is that if you're bigger than a guy, then um, then you got to go a little easier on him and just work on speed and don't and don't take the piss as we say in England. No, you no, don't, no, you don't normally go mad. You don't. Listen, you normally no, nobody nobody got mad, but you can still you throw punches with, with can, you can you still throw punches in con with conviction without being mad. It, it, a lot of guys knock people out and they're not even mad at somebody. For instance, I sparred with uh, Ronaldo Snipes, right, Mister Spinks, uh, Mister Snipes, Ronaldo, Mister Snipes. 
And he threw that overhand right at me like he threw it at Larry Holmes. I don't care. If that would have hit me, that would have knocked me into the Gleason's back wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I got out of the way of that stuff. And that's the thing. It's like you're working, you're working. A punch is a punch. Whether it's coming from someone who's a middleweight or a heavyweight, yeah, if it hits you, the heavyweight punch is going to make is going to create more damage. But the thing is, the art of not getting hit is what you're developing in here. And and so I, I think it's almost detrimental to say. I'm going to put on 25 to 35 pounds in order to be this weight. Maybe if it's a wrestling match, you know, the guy like, like John Ruiz. Okay. He, he'll maul you a lot and you don't want to just throw you on around the ring. But if it's going to be detrimental to your skills, all of a sudden you're not going to be able to throw as many punches. You're not going to be able to hook off the jab. You're not going to be able to use your footwork the way you usually would because you're carrying an extra. Did Roy not look a million dollars against Ruiz at 199 pounds? Yeah, he, he didn't have he didn't have an ounce of fat on him. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I, so he didn't. He, yeah, but I don't think that he did as much as he could have done. Maybe, maybe not. Um, we got listen. We got fourteen minutes. I told Montel he'd be out of here within an hour because he's yeah. he's got people that's doing things things to see. But um, but yeah. listen, Montel, passionately, almost every day, you campaign on your own behalf for induction into the Hall of Fame, boxing's highest chamber of honour, and you say, basically, looking at some of the people who've been inducted and all the rest of it, and the fact that you beat two of the greatest fighters of your era, you beat them back-to-back, -back, and you beat one of them twice. And they can't say he was shot when you beat him twice, because look no, at some of the great picks he I went on to achieve. Okay. Uh, Silk, let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. How many, how many people have beat powerful pound fighters? How many people? Sorry? How, how, many, how many fighters can okay, say they, they beat a, a pound for pound fighter? Not many, right? Yeah, not many. I'll be two. I'll be two yeah. guys that are pound for pound number one in the world. The only yeah. thing you've got to be careful with, Montel, you did, and I totally understand where you're coming from, but pound for pound is not a factual thing. It is a consensus thing. I mean, I mean I'm saying if, if they if they picking this guy number one, that yeah. means he's more than good. He's they were the premier yeah. fighters of their age. I get that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, okay, okay. This is all I got to say. This is all I got to say. Um, if if you name the power of power fighters in the world, it's gonna be Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, uh, uh, Pernell Whitaker, Floyd Mayweather. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be those names. And and James Tony Roy Jones. Well, all time great. Yeah, guys. they're all time greats. And right. so is James James Tony Roy Jones. All time great. Both of them. So so you you really are. Because some people might say, yeah, but the thing is, Montel, you're doing this yourself. You're, you're asking for this kind of praise and, and, and uh, you know, you're asking for this honour yourself. But you're, I guess your argument is nobody else is betting for you. And you, right. No, ain't, nobody, ain't, nobody else, ain't nobody else brought my name up, so yeah. i got to bring yeah. it up myself. Because a lot of people, and a lot of people don't know, but let me ask you something, Montel. If we were to ask Roy and James, what do you think they'd say? Roy Jones said I am. Yes. That's, and that's everything right there. Roy Jones said, James, I asked James, he didn't answer me, but Roy Jones oh. said, hell yeah, oh yeah, you are. Because yeah. I, I read a quote from James Tony the other day. He disputes the decisions with you, doesn't he? He complains that he thinks that one of those fights, or I don't know about both of them, but he complains one of them was taken away from him. That's what he says, right? Watch him. All you got to do is watch it. I know. I watched it tonight. And it was All you got to do is watch it. It's no, it's no, if you, if you just not, if you, elect, if you not, just a James Tony uh, lover, and, and and you can't think with your, and you can't think with by yourself. If you watch both fights, you see I won both of them. And I, I watched it before we came on air, and I said to you backstage before we came live, 
I think it was just an incredible performance, and it and it and it reminded me, not even reminded me, but it reinforced to me what a very very good fighter you were. Your your boxing IQ was just so varied and off the charts. And looking at your relative inexperience, it's just an amazing performance. You could you could you could seriously fight your your ass off. But I am not a hundred percent convinced you're a Hall of Famer, but I know there's people in the Hall of Fame who are less deserving than you, and they're all. So, so, so that's what I mean. I am then. Well, I got 50 wins. There's people with 25 wins in the Hall of Fame. I know, Monto, and, and they didn't beat Tony and, and twice and Roy right. Jones. If, if I, I was going to make a case against it, saying you were close but no cigar, and I'm not saying I believe this, I make the case for the sake of the show. One is because the nature of you won the world title, unfortunately, was, was by disqualification. And secondly, you lost it in the first defence by a, an early knockout, regardless of the I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to send both of y'all. Well, I'm going to send, I know you, I got you, I don't got uh, silk, but I'm going to send, I know, you know, I think I got silk on uh, another. Yeah, uh, you got me. I'm, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you uh, some, info, some information I know uh, to show you uh, that I got yeah. cheated. And on your side, here's on your side, that's the argument against. Why well, you're close but no cigar. The argument that you should be in is because you beat James Tony twice when no one can say he was over the hump and passed it. You beat Roy Jones regardless of him hitting you on the floor. That's his fault, not yours. They both was in a prime. And if Otaro Gatti, Ray Mancini, and um, Barry Montel Griffin should be in, there's the argument for you, okay? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Look, man, like I said, I don't got no disrespect. I don't have nothing to say about all the other guys. I hope the best for them. I'm yeah. just talking about Montel Griffin. I know yeah. my resume. I, I, I fought four years. I fought four years when I beat James Tony. Can't nobody yeah. say they did that. Yeah. I fought four years. I had yeah. my first fight in 91. In 1995, I beat James Tony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, turned, I turned pro. I was only pro two, two years when I beat James Tony. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I hope you don't think that I don't understand that just because I make the devil's ever No, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I, 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 I've been in the ring. I've been in the ring with with Hall. I've been in the ring with four Hall of Famers, and and, and I had my way with all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Are you in the Atlantic City Hall of Fame as yet? Still not yet. How? I had the biggest. I had the biggest upset in Atlantic City. I'm a. Uh, I think I'm. Let me see. I'm two or three in Atlantic City with the yeah. biggest upset. Uh, I beat James Tony twice in Nevada. I'm not in the Nevada Hall of Fame. How? I don't know that. Because you you know Sugar and Silk is going to the um. The Hall of Fame, the, the Atlantic City Hall of Fame, in a in a couple of weeks' time, in about ten days' time. Yeah, yeah I'll be there. Uh, my man Shannon Breer is going in. Yeah. So we we can we can make a little campaign for you then. We can make a protest. I mean, I, mean, I, I talked to Ray. I talked to Ray McClown. I said, bro, there's no way. I'm just. I mean, I mean, they they putting people in this year that's not better than me. I, I'm yeah. just. I mean, I mean, it, it, let's just. I mean, look, me being quiet ain't did nothing. I, I just got to open my mouth to be truthful now. They put people yeah. in right this year. That's not better than me. I ain't got to <laughs> say their names. You can just look at the names. They're not better than me. Yeah. yeah. It must be It must be frustrating. It must be galling because yeah, I thought frustrating. I mean, I'm 53, at, decision at, at, at 28, 29, 30, I was upset about it. But at 53, yeah, I'm I'm pissed off. Yeah, I'm I'm bitter. 
I'm yeah, I'm 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 an old man now. It's getting you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm pissed off because uh, what? I know what I did. I I, I know what I did. I, I got in the ring with with great fighters and I played with them. I don't, yeah. How many people can say they played played with fighters? I played with fighters with great fighters, man. Yeah. yeah. How are you um these days? How are you enjoying the trainer side of things? I know you you made a few trips to England recently. You know you come over. Oh, with I mean, the training fighters now. It, it ain't no comparison to getting in the ring fighting yourself. Ain't nothing like that Russian glory. Ain't nothing like I had, I fought in Kazakhstan with 60,000 people. Ain't, ain't nothing like that. Ain't, ain't nothing going to never uh, take that place. But you enjoy the coaching, though? It's all right. It ain't huh. boxing. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, that's... It's all right. It ain't, it, ain't, it ain't 20% of boxing. Yeah? yeah. I, but, I'm, I'm still running. I'm... I'm still training. Uh, I might do a couple of uh, ex exhibitions. Cause what's up with that celebrity fight or whatever you were getting involved I, in? Uh, uh, I mean, I, I really, I really when when uh when Roy Jones fought Indio, they said they were gonna do me one. They was gonna give me one. I said okay. I didn't really, you know, I didn't know if they was gonna do it or not. They called me and said uh, I could fight Mark Coleman. I was like, well, you know, older guy. I don't really know how it's gonna turn out, but I just said I'd do it. You know what I'm saying? And uh. Like I said, I, I uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm 53 years old. I changed, you know, I didn't change my way of living and everything. I, I stopped drinking. Uh, I stopped sugar. Uh, stopped eating sugar. I lost 30 pounds. Uh, you know, I run. I, I, I fought at 175. I walk around 185 right now. So, wow. you know what I'm saying? I, I, could, I could go in the gym. I could spar kids and nobody could still touch me. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? If it's if it's put together, I, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, I go and play play with whoever, you know what I'm saying, they put in front of me. I'm not letting nobody hit me. Uh, that, that's another thing that uh, being around Muhammad Ali taught me. I saw Muhammad Ali at the years. I saw the punch and I saw the damage that his brain took yeah. and it made my defensive game go to another level because yeah. I never wanted to be like him. Yeah. It, it's really unfortunate. That, that part of Ali's life, like, uh, it's almost like in boxing at that time, we didn't know that 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 punches could do that to you. No, it's kind yeah, of I, you know Ali would. Be, I I, used to, I I saw Larry Holmes. Uh, I saw Ali spar Larry Holmes, Tony Tubbs. Uh, yeah, uh, and um, you know Ali would go to camp. Ali thought that going to camp, taking punishment, was going to prepare him his yeah, team to get in shape to take punches, yeah. which is yeah. which is uh, which is totally wrong. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I also feel he didn't have the fire that he had. Like he didn't have the fire to get out the way of the punches. Sometimes you've been doing this so long that yeah, you, you know just, when he, like, you know he, he, he lost three. He lost three and a half years of his career. Yeah, exactly. His legs, his legs wasn't the same no more. So it wasn't the same. He, uh, like, he like they said, the best thing that ever happened. He found out he could take a punch. Was the worst thing that ever happened. He found yes. out he could take a punch. Yeah, yeah. Great strength was his great liability. His chin. Right. Right. Yeah, so, that fear of being hit helps once you normalize getting hit that's the worst thing you could do when yeah, you tell I, a fighter I when never, you tell a fighter, yeah right when you tell a fighter he can take a great shot that's a curse that's I the never kiss. yeah I never uh, wanted to get hit I never wanted yeah, to get hit yeah no matter what you never you have a great chin oh yeah great but you don't want to get it tested you know what I mean no. like Tex Cobb uh, all those dudes even Gaddy they say yo you take a great shot so what do you do you stop practicing your defense nah. it's it's like it's no that's a curse because always somebody's got your your poison there's always poison yeah, you, yeah it, it, it's life at the boxing that's my number one that's my yeah. number one saying it's life at the boxing you can't 
came. I, you know what I'm saying? I, I got a lot of friends that suffer from uh, brain damage and, you know, mm-hmm. they said they would never change nothing. They would do it all over again. And, um, yeah. but you, know, you, you got to take this stuff serious, man. Cause, uh, you die, you die in the ring. Uh, LaVanna yeah. Johnson, I was with him in Vegas. The last day he trained, I was with LaVanna Johnson. He went and fought to Hazel Chavez and, and died. So wow. just, man, things are just, man, you know what I'm saying? You can't, yeah. boxing is, is, is the real deal, man. It really is. In any case, Montel, it, it, it's it's good to see you you avoided that those, those kind of repercussions and after effects. You're still highly articulate. There's never a dull moment. Always, always a great guy to talk to about boxing. Um, I know you've got to be getting on your way soon, but um, but we are we going to see you in Atlantic City? We're gonna yeah 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 yeah. I, yeah, I got my ticket. I'll be down there. Uh, Ray McClain yeah. invited me down there. Hopefully, hopefully he invited me down there so I'll go in next year. Some I don't know, but I have a quick uh, question it, for it, you, Montel. I'm, I'm sorry. Before we jump off, I had a quick question. Sorry to interrupt this thought. You have how many children? You have? I got uh, four. Four boys. Three, three boys, one girl. Three boys, one girl, and none of them wanted to box. Uh, my oldest son is autistic. My second oldest son plays basketball, college basketball. My daughter plays pro basketball in Australia. Wow. And my my youngest son, he boxed. He had about three amateur fights, but he uh he's a brainiac. He uh. He got sure. a academic. He had an academic scholarship at Tennessee right. State. So, wow. I told him, I said, when you graduate, you you can box if you want to, but get that get that degree first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. So none of them followed dad's shoes, really. No, nah, no. Nah. Like I said, the youngest one had three fights, but uh, uh, he just texted me today. Where where is it? Is it a gym? I know somebody in, in Tennessee could train that. So I don't yeah. know what he's gonna do. Okay. I love it. I love it. Well, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation with the inimitable Montel Ice Griffin as much as we have. We were back on Sunday as well because um, we said we're going to do two shows a week now and we're going to stick to it. Um, there's still not a big fight to talk about. You know that guy, Luis Alberto Lopez, is fighting tonight. The guy who beat Michael Conlon last time, defending his IBF uh, featherweight championship. So we can talk about that maybe, Silk, amongst other things. Montel, thanks. Always a pleasure. Hang around for a couple of seconds when we go off stage. We'll just say goodbye properly. Thank Sam. you, Ice. I respect champ. Ice brother, you the champ. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, low. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.